uh, for the teacher, the instructor, the spirit of God who lives and dwells on the inside of us. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We did, uh, uh, we call it faith school. We did faith school today at uh, one o'clock, and it's, it's mostly with the folks over there in uh, Dublin, Ireland. And, um, uh, but uh, I don't know what we have, 20, 25 people there, probably or 25 connections. We probably had uh, several of the people. I know a lot of times I'll get gathered together, and I think they're still in lockdown. I didn't get a chance to talk to them about what, what their situation is as far as lockdown goes, but um, a lot of the countries are a lot more strict even than the United States is, and um, uh, because they don't have this inconvenient thing called the First Amendment, so, or the other, there's other amendments that say we have the right to, to assembly and those types of things, so, um, so uh, they put a lot of restrictions on, on uh, churches around the world, so we thank God that we have the freedom to meet here, amen? And so uh, I'd encourage you to be praying about all that, you know, because it's just a big mess, and I don't know the answer to it all. The Lord knows the beginning from the end. But how do we get, how do we move on from where we're at, right? Uh, I mean, eventually everybody's going to get COVID at least once, so do we wait till everybody gets infected and then move on? Or, you know, there's always seems to be another variant, so uh, I'm glad that's not my decision uh, to make. Uh, and so uh, we'll pray for wisdom for those that are making those types of decisions, so... Um, well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. We'll get started there tonight. So we got down to um, um, verse 9 here. And um, so Paul is praying for the Philippians. He said, This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Uh, and so uh, he's desiring that we know the love of God, that we, that we understand the love of God. And, and that word abound means a superabound. Uh, in excess. Uh, so it's not just he wants you to, to walk in love, but he wants you to abound in love. And, you know, the study of the love of God is a really good study. You know, there's a lot of good things like Galatians 5, 6, it says, faith which worketh by love. Uh, and, uh, you know, first course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a great chapter on love. And we know that love, uh, uh, faith, hope, and love now abides, but the greatest of these is love. And, and, uh, the greatest of those is love because that's who the Lord is, right? God is love. First so John chapter 4 tells us that God is love. So it's not just something he does. It's not an emotion that he has. It's who he is. So God is that. Uh, and so Paul is praying that we would abound in love. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about how the world is always trying to dictate to the church what love should look like. You know, from their perspective, love would look like you approving of everything they do and never, never telling them that they're wrong. Well, that's, that's what a child thinks love is, right? A child never wants to be corrected. A child never wants to be told that they're wrong. And that's very, a very immature thing to say because that's what the world thinks, right? Uh, they're very childish in, in their knowledge of the, of the Lord. Uh, but from, from the Lord's perspective, from the Bible's perspective, the love of God always desires the best for you as the word of God defines what the best for you is. Amen. Uh, and so the, the best for you, according to the, the word of God, is to not walk in sin. That's the very best you can do. Amen. And so if you're involved in sin, then the love of God would want you to get out of that sin. The world tells you the love of God would accept your sin and approve of your sin. Well, that, you know, everybody's, everybody has their own path to walk. Everybody has their own goals and ambitions. <clears throat> but, uh, uh, that there may be some truth to that statement outside of sin. Uh, once you cross the boundaries of sin, and if the word of God covers that particular sin, then um, 
then it's the best is to not do that sin. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I know sometimes they, uh, the world loves to say, well, love is love. And they say that because they want to uh, they want to merge the love of God between, say, a man and a woman and the and love that uh, men would have for men in a homosexual relationship or men, women would have for women in a homosexual relationship. And they say, well, love is love. Well, that's that's the uh, that's the way the world defines it. But that kind of love is uh, natural love, right? It's the emotional love, um, and it's the love uh, involved in physical relations as well. Uh, but that's not God's love. So there's always three types of love, right? There's the emotion of love, right, uh, which is which is philia, which is brotherly love. There there is the physical love uh, uh, in relations, uh, physical relations between hopefully a man and a woman. Uh, and then there's the love of God. Uh, and so uh, the love of God is what we talk about in the word and in, in, in the church. And it's the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the greatest love. That's the greatest love that the Bible talks about. That's the love that Paul is praying for here for the, for the uh, church at Philippi. Uh, and it's a love that we should always strive to operate in the church. Uh, and, you know, sometimes um, we strain that in how harsh we are towards other people in areas of judgment, you know, and in self-righteousness. And, you know, we do definitely have a ways to go. But at the end of the day, if somebody is is living in sin, as, that's covered in the word of God. Right. So now everything that you do is not covered in the word of God. Uh, and so should you eat that last donut or not? I don't know. Did the Lord tell you not to eat it? If the Lord told you not to eat it, then then it would be a sin to eat it, wouldn't it? But is there any donut verses in the Bible? No donut verses in the Bible, right? So there's always two aspects of the will of God. There is what the word of God says, but there's also what the spirit of God says. Uh, and I can judge. I'm not judging you, but I can judge a circumstance by the word of God. If it's covered in that scenario and say, well, according to the word of God, then this would be sin. Uh, if it's not covered in the word of God, then it's none of my business unless the Lord makes it my business or you make it my business. Right. So if you're eating that last donut, you know, none of my business. Right. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, and the church has a hard time with that because we want to have an opinion about everything. Uh, and, you know, we should constrain our opinions to, and it's really not our opinions, if the word of God is covered in that situation, right? But even if it's covered, a lot of times we will extrapolate. And so, you know, in a situation in, in a marriage situation, if, if a couple gets divorced, well, um, should you judge the, the person? Um, I mean, do you know what happened? Uh, is there a possibility that one of the people could be innocent in the situation? Well, sure. In fact, many times in many divorces, one person is innocent and the other person, you know, has decided to do whatever they wanted to do, right? Get involved in adultery or just walk out on the marriage. You know, uh, we don't know all the circumstances without having more information. Uh, but a lot of times uh, we in a church will condemn people that are going through that. And yet in many cases, one party could be completely innocent. And a victim of the search, search situation. Now, now, I mean, could you go back to the beginning and, and help that person find out, you know, did they miss God? You know, did they miss God marrying them? I don't know. Uh, a lot of times people will say, oh, why did God put this on me? And then you find out, well, the Lord tried to get you not to marry them, you know, 20 years ago, but you did anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, we've got to leave all that alone because that's, that's God's will for you and between you and him, right? So should you marry that person? Well... You know, the, the, the Bible has some specifics. It says, 
don't marry an infidel, right? Um, and uh, don't marry somebody of the same sex. Besides that, there's not many constraints, right, on, on who you marry. Um, you know, in the history of the church, you know, there's been all kinds of wars fought about uh, interracial marriage, right? A black person marrying a, a white person. Uh, but, you know, Moses did that, right? Moses married an Ethiopian woman, remember that? And, uh, you know, uh, Ethiopians, you know, they're black people then, they're black people now, right? They've been uh, black people as long as we've known about Ethiopia. Uh, and you got a lot of flack for that. Anybody getting flack today for interracial marriages? Well, they are. So they're just like Moses, right? So, but does the Bible say it's wrong to do that? Well, no. So, so the, do I have an opinion of that? Well, I don't have an opinion about that because the Bible doesn't have an opinion about that. Now, should you marry that specific person? Well, I still don't have an opinion about that, but the Lord may say, don't marry that person. Well, is it because they're black or white? No, it'd be because that person is not the right person for you. It could be their faith. It could be their heart. It could be their background. You know, uh, there's a lot of things to consider uh, in that whole area, right? I mean, uh, you know, Brother Hagen said when you get married, you know, you're not, you're not just marrying the person, you're marrying the family, right? So, you know, he always checks up on the family, too, uh, what's going on with the family. And you have to decide at the end of the day, should you still marry them or not, right? Because at the end of the day, if there's no uh, biblical constraint, then you still need to find out the will of God constraint, right? Does the Lord want you to marry that person? Uh, and so if the word of God doesn't cover it, then I leave it alone, right? If there were, if, you know, what about somebody who speaks a different language or from a different culture, right? Maybe they're both, you know, uh, both people from Africa. Maybe they're both people from, from Europe, you know, uh, so they generally have a, a similar background, but maybe they have different languages or maybe they have different cultures. Is it wrong? You know, they're both Christians, right? So is it okay for them to marry? Well, the Bible doesn't, doesn't say there's no constraints on that, right? As long as they meet the, the fundamental basics, you know, are they, are they a Christian, right? And really, it would be to your advantage, you know, to, uh, to add a few things on there, right? If you're spirit-filled and tongue-talking, probably be good for them to be spirit-filled and tongue-talking, right? Because you'd want to have some, because uh, uh, the book of Amos says, how can two be in agreement unless they walk together? Or how can two walk together unless they should be in agreement? Uh, and so um, if you've got one that's a, uh, a Roman Catholic person and one that's a, you know, a hardcore Pentecostal, I mean, that's pretty big gap, to, you know, uh, uh, gap to, to span. Right. I mean, you know, if one is used to doing the the uh, uh, the Roman Catholic, all the little gestures that Roman Catholics do and one is used to running around the church and swinging from chandeliers, you know, um, You'll have to decide in that, Lord, do you want me to go down this path, right? So, um, but all of that, you know, goes going back to the love of God. We operate in the love of God, amen? So when the world says love is love, that's not true because there are three types of love that the, that the, the Bible talks about, amen? And so uh, it's not love is not love. In fact, uh, if you go back to uh, the book of John, so go back to the book of John there after... Uh, we'll look and see John chapter 20 or so. We'll find it here. And, and, uh, uh, and so um, John chapter 21, this is the story of Jesus talking to Peter after the resurrection. Uh, and so uh, now the King James uh, Bible translates all of these things as the same English word love. But if you look at uh, the distinctions here, it, 
if you don't know that, then you think, well, what's the big deal? You know, this, this story doesn't make any sense until you dig a little deeper. But it says uh, in verse 15, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, that word love that Jesus is asking him, uh, he's, he used the word agape. So he said, uh, Peter, do you agape me more than these? Do you love me with the love of God more than these around you? And Peter said unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Now, Peter responded with the word philia. I love thee like a brother. Uh, uh, he said unto him, feed my lambs. So Jesus said, do you love me with the love of God? Peter said, I love you like a brother. Well, that's not what he asked him, right? Uh, and so, so uh, Jesus being Jesus, you know, uh, he didn't answer the question. So he asked the same question again. He said uh, unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me with the love of God? That love there is the love of God, agape love. He, uh, he saith unto him, or Peter said unto him, Yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee with the filial, the, the, the brotherly love. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. So Jesus asked the exact same question. Peter answered it in exactly the same wrong way the second time. Uh, and, you know, part of it is, Asking somebody if they walk in the love of God, that's a that's a big hurl, right? That's a big thing, especially here that, uh, of course, uh, Peter is uh, born again here, but he doesn't know much about uh, the new birth yet. Uh, he's only been born again since chapter 20, right? Uh, and so he doesn't necessarily know, doesn't have the revelation that Paul has that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. So he's under a little pressure here from the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so Jesus asked him twice, do you love me with the love of God? Twice, Peter answered him, yes, I love you like a brother. Now, see, the world will love you like a brother. And the problem with the love that, uh, of a brother is uh, it will change like the seasons, right? It'll change like the temperature. It'll change. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, I just don't love them anymore? You know, like a married couple, I just don't love them anymore. With that, well, what they're saying is not the love of God. They're saying, I don't love them like a brother anymore or a sister in that case, right? Hopefully it's, it's the opposite of whatever you are. Um, but see, if you love them with the love of God, then and nothing else matters, right? I mean, you should love uh, your spouse with the love of God first and foremost, and everything else is secondary, right? And so if the brotherly love wanes, then you can use the love of God to rekindle that, right? Uh, walk in love with them, and, and it'll rekindle the, the, the love that fluctuates by the seasons and the times uh, if you allow it to. Uh, but see, a lot of people just, well, I don't love them anymore. Well, yeah, but if you love them like the love of God, then, then nothing else is a concern, right? Everything else will take care of itself. Uh, and so twice he asked him about the love of God. Twice Peter said, I love you like a brother. So finally, Jesus said in verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now this time Jesus asked me, do you love me like a brother? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, Lovest thou me? Uh, and, and so why was Peter grieved uh, about the third time? He wasn't grieved because Jesus asked him three times about love. He was grieved because Peter already said twice, I love you like a brother. And Jesus said, well, do you love me like a brother? And Peter's like, I already told you I love you like a brother. So Jesus is really lowering the bar here for Peter, right? And Peter never did come around. He never did say, I love you. I love you with the love of God. And maybe he just didn't have it in him. Maybe he didn't have the faith to, to make that statement. Uh, but, the, but the third time, Jesus asked him, do you love me like a brother? And Peter was grieved because uh, he asked him that. And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee uh, like a brother. 
And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Uh, so, so Jesus here is making a distinction, right, between the love of God, agape love, uh, the unconditional love, the love that is based upon faith uh, and the spirit of God versus brotherly love, which is based on uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with brotherly love. The Bible never says brotherly love is wrong. Uh, brotherly love is, is often based upon shared interests and shared goals and, you know, compatibility. And do you like each other? And do you like the haircut? Do you like what shoe size they wear? I mean, it's based upon a lot of things, right? Uh, do you find them attractive? I mean, you know, it's nothing wrong with, with uh, any of those things. But that's secondary from the word of God, right? The, love, the, the word of God is, do you, do you love them uh, the people around you with the love of God, right? The agape love. Uh, and so, um, so all of that goes then back to uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, where Paul was saying, I pray that, that you abound in the, the God kind of love. Amen. And so the, the highest love that you can always walk in and that you should always walk in is always the love of God. It's not uh, brotherly love. And because um, like I said, Brotherly love uh, will wane over time. And really, you know, when it, when it comes to compatibility and, and marriage or even in friendships and stuff, you know, the love of God always should be first and foremost. Uh, because, you know, uh, you can get to have just a friend, right? It doesn't have to be like a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a spouse or, you know, but just a friend. You know, and the, friend, the friendship will, will often start out on shared interests and shared goals and that type of thing. Do you have this common, you know, do you... Are we compatible? Do we just like each other? Uh, but the love of God will always should always be the driving force in, in, in any situation, right? Because if somebody is a, you know, if they're a hunter and they don't like anything that I like and, you know, we may never be friends because we've got no shared interest, nothing that we talk about. You know, they want to talk about murdering mammals. I want to talk about, you know, uh, whatever I want to talk about, right? And, um, you know, they're in, and that's all I do, right? All I do is hunt. I don't do anything else. All I do is hunt. Well, you know, then I don't have a lot of, a lot of uh, commonality there but you know if you're a christian we can we can fellowship around the word of god around the spirit of god around things related to the church so uh, especially in the church we can always find a shared interest uh around the word of god right and and, and so so paul paul was saying i desire that you abound in love and so i would encourage you always uh, in every circumstance in every situation always elevate the love of god being greater than everything else right especially in any kind of relationship with other people and especially in the marriage relationship, too, uh, the love of God ought to be the most valuable thing uh, of, of any circumstance, right? Uh, and especially in the marriage, because the marriage is, is um, a type, uh, uh, an allegory of uh, the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus. So he said, I, I pray my desire for you and that I'm praying with my faith is that you is that your love may superabound to excess more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Uh, and so uh, the, the knowledge there, then uh, we need to grow uh, in the knowledge of who the Lord is, right? Uh, and that love of God uh, will help us in that. And we read uh, there in Second Peter chapter 1 about that. Uh, but then we didn't, we didn't talk about the judgment part there. So uh, he, his desire is that love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So the word judgment there means discernment, right? being able to see clearly what's going on. Uh, and one of the things that I have found about the love of God, the true love of God, is the more the love of God that you walk in, the more clearly you see every circumstance. Because a lot of times what happens is we'll see something, but we'll see it with the color of our experience, right? We'll see it, we'll, 
well, they're always doing this or they're always doing that. Uh, and, and you're seeing it from the, the, the coloring of your history, the coloring of what you've experienced in your life. Uh, well, you can never trust anybody, right? Uh, you can't trust people from so-and-so. You can't trust people with that kind of language. You can't trust people, you know, with that color of skin or whatever the thing is. Uh, well, well that's, that's not discernment that the way the, the Bible teaches. The discernment that the Bible teaches is discernment based upon the love of God. See, the love of God, uh, and, and it's really hard to, I think, sometimes for people to get to understand this, but the more that you walk in the love of God, the more clearly you see people exactly for who they are. You know, you think about it from, from the Lord's perspective. Does he see you exactly the way you are? Does he see you with all your good things, all your good points? Does he see you with all your bad points? And yet, does he still love you? He does. Does it, does it make him worried when he knows that you're not a perfect person? I mean, is, has he met anybody that's perfect yet? No, but the, does the Lord still love you? See, the love of God can see the, the, the shortcomings of other people because uh, the discernment, you know, I'm not talking about the, the, the spirit of, of suspicion, right? That's not, a, that's not a gift of the spirit, right? Well, I, I, I bet they're cheating over there. I bet they're stealing. I bet they're embezzling money. On the, well, how would you know that? I just, I just know. I know. Like, you don't really know that. You made that up, right? But a lot of times people think, think they have, that the spirit of suspicion is a spiritual gift. It's really not, right? Uh, but... The love of God can just see you exactly for who you are and and not be passing judgment on you every time you make a mistake. Right. Uh, every time that you're not perfect, the, the love of God, you know, in you is not going to go. Yeah, there it goes again. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're never going to make it right. Uh, so uh, but this this is really uh, a result of you walking in the love of God is that you have the ability to see people exactly who, who they are. Now, now I'm saying is what what you can see, right? I'm not I'm not saying you're making up stuff, so that the more that you walk in love, you don't know what they're doing. You you don't have any more idea what they're doing at home than what you see in front of you, right? Uh, and so, but it but it is helpful to know that uh, it is helpful to walk in the love of God, so that uh, when you get around people and they're talking or doing things that you're observing, that you can see those things with the love of God. Uh, so that you're never, you know, the, the, uh, you know exactly how to relate to that person. You know how to talk to them. You know how to uh, how to be a friend to them. You know, there's a lot of things that are helpful to do to do that. But see, if you're a person who's always judging people, you know, just I mean, I know people just, you know, if somebody that's overweight walks by, they'd be like, look at them. I bet they eat donuts all day long. Right. Or somebody that's short, you know, wow, I wonder, you know, uh, what's wrong with their DNA. Right. Or. Someone who's a different skin color, right? Wow, look at them. You know, I bet they're not very smart at all, right? They're just, you know, I mean, just, you know just saying, just always, always finding something to judge somebody about. Uh, and that'll get you in trouble really quick. If you're, if you're one that's always judging people every time you see them uh, in whatever, whatever thing that's different than you, because, you know, you're never going to judge somebody who's exactly like you. Oh, I bet they're perfect, right? You know, so you're only judging people who are different than you, right? Uh, because if they're exactly like you, then they must be perfect, right? Uh, and so, so uh, now that doesn't mean because you walk in love and you have this sermon and you know what people are doing, uh, that doesn't mean that you're accepting of all those things, right? Uh, and the, the, the hard part that we have in the church is when we see somebody that has a shortcoming, whatever that is, that we always feel like it's our job to point that out to them. Well, you know, where you're doing this, where you're doing that, you know, and it's and it feels like it's our job to be the sheriff of the body of Christ. 
And that's not really our job, you know, really it's the job of the Holy Spirit. Now, if they ask you about something, hey, what's your opinion about this thing or that thing? Well, then you could tell them, right? But, for, but you know, I, I don't very often uh, express my opinion about something, even if I see something that's going on, right? If I know somebody's doing something that's going to harm them, you know, unless the Lord uh, instructs me to, you know, of course you do that with your kids because, um, you know, when you're, when you're raising kids, then you have to tell them that because you've got to train them, right? They don't know right from wrong yet. And of course, you know, uh, you can meddle a lot there where people doing insane things like letting a, a five-year-old child decide what gender they are. Well, you know, are you going to let them drive on the highway right now at five years old? Well, then why would you let them make such a huge decision of picking a gender? That's absurd, right? I mean, uh, children don't even understand the ramifications of that decision, right? And then, of course, uh, how messed up are you that you've got them to a point where they don't really know? You know, I mean... Uh, if you raise kids right, they'll know exactly what gender they are. You know, they don't have any, there's no confusion at all. But in today's society where it's insanity, when you're saying, you know, children could be, you know, boys or girls, or we haven't, uh, we're not going to decide what gender they are until they're three years old. It, it's just, I mean, it's like, you know, used to be people would say, well, that's really dumb. Now we're not allowed to say that's dumb because, you know, it's, it's normal. It's not normal. It's devilish, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not just abnormal. It's devilish, right? I mean, who, who do you think uh, hates the fact that there's two genders more than anybody else in the world? Well, the devil does because it's God's design, right? If God designed it, the devil hates it. So whatever God has designed, the devil strives to dispel that, you know, as a lie. Well, there's, you know, I say there's, well, there's not just two genders, you know, it's fluid, right? There, you know, someone said, well, there's like, there's actually 256 genders. Uh, it's like, no, there's just two. There will only ever be two. There will never be no more than two. Uh, it's not one, it's not zero, it's two. It's not three, it's not two and a half, it's only two. And it will only ever be two. Uh, and, and so, but people, well, you're, you're judging people. I'm, yeah, I'm, not ju- I'm, not ju- I'm just saying what the word of God says, right? God, the Bible says he made them male and female. He didn't make them male and female and then check the box for other, right? There's no other in the Bible, right? It's just male and female. And it's not both, it's, it's male or female. It's, it's one or the other. Uh, and so, uh, but the world hates that because the devil hates that. And if the devil hates it, then he's going to get people to hate that. And then he's going to get people to say, well, that's, it's normal to, to not know what gender you are. That's not normal. You know, it used to be, uh, they used to call it a psychological problem, right? I mean, how many things that people are doing today is accepting, as accepted uh, actions in society that 50 years ago was considered a mental health issue, right? <laughs> If, if you were confused about your gender, well, that was, I think that was called gender dysphoria, right? I don't know what I am. Well, go buy a mirror. That really tells that, you know, or go to the plumbing department at, at, the, at the hardware store. That tells you a lot about our genders right there, right? Uh, you say, well, I, I want to put two male pipes together. Well, you can, except nothing's going to work, right? Uh, or you can do few, two female pipes together. It's still not going to work. Uh, and so I think it was, uh, I forget who it was. It might have been... Um, um, uh, R.W. Shambach, when they're asking about that, you know, was it even a plumber knows knows uh, about gender, right? Uh, of course, that's been a long time ago. So, so, but the love of God lets you have discernment. It lets you see things clearly, right? Whatever you're, whatever you're involved in, you can see things clearly. And and the more that you walk in love, the less you're going to be judging every circumstance and just you know looking down your skinny nose at you know what. Uh, but it also doesn't accept it. It's not saying, it's not approving of it. It just acknowledges it. Well, that's what's going on. Uh, and then 
you leave the judgment to the Lord, right? Uh, and you may acknowledge, well, they're in sin, right? If you see a homosexual couple, well, you know, you can acknowledge, well, that's sin. But see, there's no, there's no hatred that rises up in you, right? Because if you see that, the compassion of the Lord should rise up in you. Well, Lord, if they don't change, that relationship will harm them, right? It'll, it will hinder them spiritually. Uh, and of course, you've got all kinds of people that are Christians, you know, that, that say, well, you know, I can just, I can be perfectly fine as a Christian and, and, and do this. Well, that's not true. Uh, you know, you, tactically, could you be a Christian in that? Well, I mean, I, from the word of God, as far as I can tell, you could be just the same way you could be a Christian and worry and same Christian and lie and be a Christian, cheat and steal and I mean, didn't Paul tell, let him steal, stole no more? Didn't he tell him that in the book of Ephesians? Well, why is he telling them to steal no more? Because they're stealing, right? I mean, no need to tell them it's something they're not doing, right? So can thieves be Christians? I mean, they could be. Is thieving wrong? Well, yeah, because uh, 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 didn't uh, uh, the, uh, John 10.10, 10, didn't he say that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy? So if you're stealing... Uh, who are you yielding to? You're yielding to the devil, right? Well, can you be a Christian and steal? Well, sure. I know lots of Christians who steal, right? Uh, and um, I mean, they steal time from their employer, right? They steal things from their employer. Uh, and and uh, they'll, uh, or they lie to their employer, right? I mean, I heard stories the other day, they lied to their employer. And they, well, you know, they had to. Well, no, they didn't have to, you know. Uh, it's a lie, right? And who do you sound the most like when you lie? The devil, the devil right? Well, you know, you don't understand. I don't have to understand. You know, the, the, thing, the thing that we've got to understand as a, as a child of God, if you will decide to live by the word of God, no matter the cost, whatever the, how, no matter how much it costs you, if you will live by the word of God, the Lord will find a way out for you. But if you're willing to just yield to your flesh all the time and say, well, I'm just going to lie to get out of that. Okay, then, then there's nothing for the Lord to do. In fact, now you've got to repent. At some point in time, you'll have to repent for that lie, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, but so much of the church, they're so used to uh, allowing their flesh to get them out of a circumstance instead of, instead of allowing the love of God to get them out of a circumstance. They will lie, cheat, steal, backstab, you know, do whatever it takes to get out of a situation because they're so used to walking in the flesh. And yes, yeah, sometimes it does seem like if you follow the word of God, it seems like it's a little slower sometimes. That uh, before the Lord fig- helps you figure out a way out of a circumstance or situation. But I, I would take the hit 10 times out of 10. Uh, in the sense of if it's going to cost me more to stay in the will of God. Versus I could short circuit this and get out of this situation quicker. If I just lie. I'll, I'll stay in it for 100 years before I lie. When, because the Lord will always bless me in that. If, if, if I end up staying in that circumstance. The Lord will bless me in that. But if I lie to get out of this circumstance, now I've used my flesh, I've used, I've used the tactics of the devil to get out of the circumstance. Well, how is that God? And, and people just act like, it's no big deal. It's a huge deal. I mean, it's, it's, the, 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 the problem with that is it's such a huge deal that when people say it's not a big deal, it shows you how far they really are. Now, I'm not mad at anybody. No, 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 no. I don't lose any sleep over it. But, but again... You know, the love of God, with the discernment that you see, you can see, well, Lord, I could lie in that situation. But, you know, if I lie, then, then that's bad discernment, right? That, that would be bad for me. That would be bad for the employer. That'd be bad for the person I'm lying to. Whatever it is, it'd be bad for that circumstance. And I would look like the devil. I would act like the devil. 
You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in circumstances, and I, and I know someone's talking to me, they're lying. They're making up a story, they're lying about something, making an excuse, right? Oh, I'm just tired, you know, whatever. No, you lie, you know, don't, don't lie, you know. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times people, you know, <laughs> tell me about not coming to church, you know, and instead of just saying, I was lazy, I didn't want to get out of bed. Okay, praise God, you know, at least it's true, right? Because uh, you ever been lazy, didn't want to get out of bed? Well, we've probably all been there, right? But instead, you know, well, the earth opened up and swallowed my camel. I couldn't get out of the driveway. You know, I, I you know, I'm in Dayton, but I got six feet of snow just in my street. You know, and nobody else got it. And it's like, well, you know, you're lying, right? Yeah. Uh, and so is it ever to your advantage to lie? Uh, is it uh, now? Can you get out of a situation by lying? Sure, you could. Right? Is it going to help you to lie? Never going to help you to lie. Right. Uh, and, and that's where. Where you've got to decide in your heart, Lord, what, no matter the cost, because uh, you remember what uh, uh, Psalm 15 says, that, that a man should swear to his own hurt and change not. But see, the, the swearing to your own hurt also talks about, it, it also means when you swore to the Lord that he's your Lord, right? Didn't you do that, right? You're my Lord. That, uh, that you, you made that confession. And no matter what the cost is, Lord, I, I will... I, I will not use the tactics of the devil to benefit me. See, but the, the church is so casual with that. Uh, and look, uh, does the sky open up and, and lightning fall down from heaven the, the first time you lie? Does the earth open up and swallow you if you tell a little white lie? There's no such thing as a little white lie, of course, right? They're all big, black, ugly lies from the devil. But, you know, the world likes to call them little white lies. Uh, it... it, it is there any immediate ramifications that you're aware of? Well, no, but it's the same thing that happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember what the Lord said that uh, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for, for in doing, uh, if you do that, you shall die. And he said in the Hebrew, in dying, thou shalt die. So they ate of, I mean, remember Eve ate first and then Adam. Well, the moment she ate it, she died spiritually, right? She was separated from the life of God. But could Adam tell? He couldn't tell. He didn't have the discernment to tell because he, he, was, he was watching to see if she would die. Because the Lord said you'll die if you eat it, right? Now, he didn't have any revelation of what that really meant. Uh, he just assumed, of course, you know, did I, he may not even know what death meant because there was no death in the earth at that time, right? So he may not even have the revelation of what that actually means. I don't know. Uh, but he waited for her to eat the fruit first, which really shows kind of how snake in the grass he was, right? Let's, you know, let the wife try it first, right? It's like having a court gesture. You eat the food first. And if you don't die, then I'll eat it after you, right? But if you die, it's probably poison, so I'm not going to eat it. Well, that's really, really uh, great character, Mr. Adam. Uh, and so, uh, so he, he let her go first. And, and as far as he could tell, no ramifications, none. But was there ramifications? Sure, separated from the life of God. Every time you lie, you're separated from the life of God. Now, you don't die and go to hell, but, you, but in that area of your life that, life, that life of God, he's no longer able to bless you in that area. And, and until you repent, he may never be able to bless you in that area. And, you know, the church, a lot of times, you know, well, we're, I'm okay with that. I'll make it on my own. I'm smart. I'll make it on my own. Well, that's great. Fine. Praise God. But, you know, I don't want to be limited to just me. You want to be limited to just what you can do in this earth? I mean, you're smart, but you ain't that smart, right? I mean, you may be good looking, but you ain't that good looking. You know, you may be a great talent, but you ain't got that much talent. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, want the, I want the life where the Lord adds to me instead of me just getting it by my own ability. Amen. Yeah. 
because I don't want to be limited. If, if I'm limited to only what I can do, then that is a, that's a really boring, terrible life to live. I want all that the Lord has for me. I want all the prosperity. I want all the revelation. I want all the joy. I want all the peace. I want all the power. I want all that the Lord has for me. And I can't get that if I'm picking and choosing where I'm going to walk in God's will. If I'm going to use my flesh, my arm of the flesh, to lie out of this situation, to steal out of this situation, to backstab out of that situation, to you know, use my emotions. I can't tell you how many times I've been in circumstances people will use their emotions to try to control the, the situation. I don't, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm not easily controlled by that. But, but people use that. They try to do that. Right? Instead of taking the hit and saying, Lord, it doesn't matter what the cost. I will do what you want me to do. I will hold my tongue all day long and not say anything if that's what you want me to do. Uh, and so, uh, so the love of God will give you the discernment to know what to do in that moment, what to say in that moment. Uh, if somebody has taken advantage of you, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times people have taken advantage of me and they think they got one over on me. And yet I knew they were taking advantage of me. And the Lord said, still go ahead and help them anyway. So I had the discernment to know what they were doing but see, I don't have any judgment in that situation. Well, Lord, I know, they're, I know they're lying. And people walk in that door all the time, right? People off the street, you know, coming here for help. I can't tell you the stories. I mean, the stories, right? I've got brain cancer. It's like, why is it, right? Is it like, a, is brain cancer contagious? Because I, I how many people walk in that door got brain cancer, you know? I mean, it's amazing, right? Uh, and, uh, and mother's dying. I mean, it's like, are all the moms dying in the world, right? I mean, oh, my mom died, right? Well, your mom died too. Oh, yeah, your mom died. Oh, yeah, all our moms are died. And we need money to go, you know, go take care of that. It's like, well, wow. I mean, do they know each other? I mean, you know, what's the deal, right? Uh, and so were they at like a mom convention or something? And, uh, and something happened. And so, so, you know, the Lord, you know, people come in and lie all the time. And I know they're lying. But, you know, and really only one time I know that I ever called them out, you know, that they were lying. And there was a, the one that told me that their mom died, right? And... Um, They'd asked for some money to help. I, I'm sure I've told you the story, but they asked for some money to help. And they said, well, my mom, my mom died and, I, you know, I need to go to the funeral. You know, can you can you give me some money to to go to my mom's funeral? I'm thinking, well, that's really weird. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, how far away is it? Right. And and, and um, but, you know, in that circumstance, you know, in that particular situation, see, the, the nice thing about the love of God is the love of God is not moved by emotions. Right. It's not moved by needs. It's moved by the faith of God. Right. And so. Uh, so in that moment, the Lord gave me no unction to help them. Now, so I'm not going to be able to help you. Oh, you're just mean and heartless. I'm not. It's not. It's not got nothing to do with me. It's whatever the Lord wants to do. If he, if 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 I know they're lying, it's just help them. Well, then I'll help them, you know. And, and I did not help them because I knew they were lying. I didn't help them because I didn't have an unction to help them. And to me, that's just, see, that removes all the issue, right? See, the love of God gives me the discernment to know that they're lying. But then the love of God tells me don't help them. Okay, well, then, because then, if the Lord tells me not to help them, that's still the love of God, right? And so, you know, I mean, they didn't get mad or anything. They left, left you know, and came back a week later. And, uh, and uh, hey, can I, I need some more money, you know, can I, can I get some help? I mean, that's pretty bold, right? Come back twice in a week. I mean, I, I told them no last week, they're back here the, the next week after that. And, and I had an unction to ask them. I said, well, how's your mom doing? And they said, well, she's fine. She's at home, right? 
And I said, well, you told me she died. And, and normally I don't do that, but I just, you know, norm, uh, I just had a, you, you call them on the carpet, right? Well, no, she's fine. I said, yeah, but you told me she, di- she died. Well, she's at home. Yeah, but you said she was dead. How do, you, how do you get that wrong, right? And, of course, we found out just recently it's not unusual, apparently, for people to get that wrong. Right? How do you get that wrong? I don't know how you get that wrong, but, you know, that one is actually a real case where somebody got it wrong or, you know, someone said, oh, so-and-so died. But then they forgot to mention they got revived, right? And it's like, well, it seemed like you should add that last part. But this case, they just lied about it, right? They just completely lied that my mom died. She never did die. Uh, I don't even know if she had a mom. I mean, who knows? My mom could have been dead for 20 years or her mom could have been alive. I, you know, I don't really know either way. Uh, but uh, she said, well, that's what my sister told me. Your sister told you that your mom died and you didn't bother finding out that's true. I mean, how would you not confirm that? I mean, how would you, do, I mean, it, if your sister told you that your mom was dead and she really wasn't dead, that wouldn't be the first time that your sister lied to you. I mean, that, you know, that's not your, your, the first time your sister doesn't lie to you. The first time that your sister lies to you is not when she lies to you that your mom's dead. She'd have been, had a history of lying, right? And so if she had a history of lying, then you would have checked up on that, right? I mean, you, uh, but it, the whole situation is so absurd, right? It's just completely absurd. But I knew the week before she was lying. I knew that that, that, that day she was lying. But see, I didn't get mad about it. And she went on and on, on and on about, you know, and she kept, you know, you know how people dig a hole to keep dig, digging deeper, right? And finally I said, you know, you just need to leave. I mean, I, you know, my, my, it wasn't I was mad at her. She's like, look, you're not getting anywhere and nothing else is going to happen here. So just leave. And, and, and um, uh, but, you know, other people have come and, and lied to me. And I've known they were lying. And, um, um, and the Lord says to help them. Uh, and so the love of God gives you the discernment to know what to do and when to do it. Uh, and because the, the Lord's merciful, right? So for me to judge and say, well, because you're lying, I can't help you. You know, that's not my job. That's the job of the Lord to make that decision, right? Uh, that's the job of because he can always extend mercy, can't he? You ever gotten mercy? Mercy's for who? Mercy's only for the guilty. Mercy is never for the innocent. Mercy is only ever for the guilty, right? Innocent people never need mercy, right? People who never do wrong never need mercy. Uh, only people who ever do wrong need mercy, right? There's never a case where you ever do anything right and the Lord says, I'm going to have mercy on you. There's no need for that. He's, he can just bless you because you've been obedient to him, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, uh, and I don't know how to encourage people more about that, about walking in the love of God and the discernment. Uh, because the more that you walk in your flesh, the, the, you think you see clearly, but you don't see clearly at all. You see very cloudy, right? You see very... You see a devil behind every, you know, situation. Uh, you, you see somebody, you know, you've already made a decision, put somebody in a box. I can't tell you how many boxes I've been put in over the years, right? People that, oh, you've you got an education for therefore, you know, this is your box, right? You're educated. You can't be, you can't, uh, you, you, you can't be led by the Spirit of God if you're educated. Well, see, that, that's no, there's no discernment in that, right? Can educa- educated people be led by the Spirit of God? Sure they can. Can uneducated people not be led by the Spirit of God. Well, sure, that, that situation could happen too. So, but, but the carnality always loves to put people in a box, right? Well, if you're educated, well, then you're like this, right? Or if you're uneducated, then you're like this, right? And we always use those biases that we have of our experiences, and we, we want to elevate our experiences over the experiences of everybody else. And, and that's really a, a terrible way to live. You know, we, we should live in such a way that we recognize that the Lord has made each of us unique and special. And because of that, we need each other. 
you know, I've got all kinds of degrees, but I need all, all uneducated people to be in my life just as much as I need educated people to be in my life because everybody has something they can add to my life. And so to me, it's irrelevant what your background is. What matters to me is who are you in the Lord uh, and, and how much of the love of God do you walk in? You got those things, then, then there's things that you can add to my life. Amen. Uh, and so, so uh, Paul said he wants you to superabound in that, that, uh, uh, that your love may superabound in excess in knowledge and in all judgment or discernment, right? Uh, and so, but you can only do that really with the love of God. Usually what happens instead of a discernment, it gets into uh, making judgment calls about the value of somebody, right? Uh, and so be careful about that. And you, can, and you, should, you should have to uh, spend some time recognizing that in your own life, right? Are you doing that? Are you judging people around you uh, from a carnal standpoint instead of uh, using the discernment of the love of God? Now, and just real quick, as a, as a warning of that, you know, he, he said to bound in all knowledge there. Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And this is a good warning because, um, you know, we all want to grow in knowledge, right? But um, he said that you may abound, uh, that your love may abound in knowledge, right? So it's not just knowledge separate from the love of God. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, it says in verse 1, uh, Now as touching things offered to idols, we know that we have all knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth, or love edifies. So in this case, Paul is contrasting uh, knowledge and increasing in knowledge versus the love of God. Uh, and see, and, th- and this is a good, a good case that he said here that he's talking about now as touching things offered to idols. We know that we have uh, that we all have knowledge. Uh, and if you look at all of Paul's writing about eating meat offered to idols, basically, Paul says, look, it's it's food or meat offered to idols, but they're not real gods anyway, so it doesn't matter. It, it, it's, no, it's no big deal at all. Just eat it if you want to, right? But if it's going to bother the guy sitting next to you, then don't eat it because it's going to bother them. He's not going to bother you at all. Now, that, just that scenario right there, you know how many Christians would just have a hissy fit if they knew that you were eating, you know, oh, you eating that chicken? I, I, I saw that they, the, 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 the uh, Satan worshipers just... Uh, offered that chicken to Satan, uh, to the idol, or whatever you know, to to some god, and and you're eating that chicken. Yeah, have you tasted it? It's really good, you know. And and Paul said it's no big deal, uh, but a lot of Christians would just, oh, you're gonna open the door to the devil if you do that. It's just a chicken, right? And there are no real gods anyway, other than the Lord God Himself. And so that and that's so that's what Paul is saying. But see, I see I've got that knowledge. But if I use that knowledge to lord it over you, oh, well, if you were a person of faith, you'd eat that chicken. Well, maybe, but if they're not a person of faith, then you just have judged them, right? You, you've condemned them and you, you've lorded it over them that you're somebody and they're not. And, and how is that the love of God, right? If their faith is weak and you recognize, see, the love of God can discern that. The love of God will go, you know, they couldn't handle that. They couldn't handle eat, knowing that that chicken was just offered on, just a second ago to that, on that temple over there on that, on that uh uh, at, at that altar, they couldn't handle that. You know, it, it would bother them. They couldn't eat that. Well, okay, if, if that's true, then they're, then they're weak in faith in that area. And the love of God would recognize that and go, well, then I'm not going to say anything about it. You know, just if they don't want to eat it, then it's fine, right? 
And I'm not going to eat it just to prove to them that hey, you need spiritual, be spiritual like me. Well, that's, that's violating Romans chapter 14, right? Yeah, we don't want to do that. But see, a lot of times people will get some knowledge of faith. Well, brother, you just don't need to do that. You know, just, just suck it up and do it, right? Uh, and we were puffed up in that. And you see that in the area of healing, right? Well, you know, if you were in faith, you wouldn't have to take that medication, right? Or you, wouldn't, you, don't, don't, you don't need to go to the doctor. But just walk in faith like me. Knowledge puffeth up, right? I've got the knowledge of divine healing, right? You've got the knowledge of divine healing. But we don't want to we, we don't want to be puffed up with that knowledge, right? We don't want to act like, well, I'm more spiritual than you because I've got this knowledge of faith and you don't have that knowledge of faith. Knowledge puffeth up, right? But love, what do you say love does? Love edifies, builds up. Right? So so I don't have to prove uh, I don't have to prove anything to anybody and I don't have to diminish anybody else by my knowledge, right? Uh, so get all the knowledge you can, but, but always make sure that it's knowledge abounding in love, right? Uh, that it's not just a collection of facts and you, you, you know something more than somebody else knows, right? Uh, and so, that, so that's, that's a warning that Paul gives us about the balance between love and knowledge, right? That knowledge puffs up. Uh, and, and what you find is a lot of times when people get advanced knowledge, right? They get, uh, you know, PhD level knowledge and that type of thing and they go beyond just your average knowledge and they get knowledge that most people don't have uh, and then a lot of times they'll they'll lord that over people right now uh, I, I remember we had one minister who would come and man he loved using 64 dollar words now i know a lot of 64 dollar words but he made up a few right i mean he's like i don't even know that the word or not you know i think that's just a mcgillicuddy switch word right there right i think he made that word up uh, and, and he may not have it may, it may have gone over my head i don't know you know i've I know quite a few words, but I don't know all the words. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the pastor, my pastor actually went to him and said, hey, look, people love you. You know, they love your ministry. But, you know, sometimes you just talk right over the head. You know, you're saying words and talking about things that they don't know the definition of those words. You know, can you back it down a little bit? You know, turn the knob, the knob down a little bit to maybe $32 words, right? Or $16 words or, you know, buck fifty words, right? Uh, you know, if you look at Jesus, how he spoke, do you think Jesus knew all the words there were in the world? He did, but he didn't. He rarely used big highfalutin words. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, so. Uh, but the but the sad part is my pastor actually had that conversation with him and he would not do it. Next time he came back, sixty four dollar words, a bunch of sixty four dollar words. And I don't know if it was just. That, you know, it, that it was something that had puffed him up, right? That he felt good about, you know, being able to look at me. I can use all these $64 words. I don't know what, I don't know what was driving that need to use those words when the pastor specifically asked him not to talk like that, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, was it a violation of this verse here? I don't know, but it, but it, I suspect it may have been, or at least had some. He may have had some struggle, some struggles in that area, right? Uh, and so. So just be careful, you know, get, uh, know it, uh, learn everything, right? Uh, grow in knowledge as much as you can, but always temper it with the love of God, amen? Uh, and that knowing, first of all, that we're all at different levels of knowledge, right? I know some things that you probably don't know. You know some things that I probably don't know. Uh, that doesn't make you better than me or worse than me, right? Uh, you know, I worked with a fellow years ago um, when I was doing... Uh, early on in my engineering career, uh, he knew some things about some computer technology that I didn't know. Uh, and uh, he made it a point to, to 
point out all my mistakes in, in staff meeting one day, right? Hey, well, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong. And, you know, uh, as he was saying, I was like, well, actually, you got a point, you know. And, and so, uh, I mean, what am I going to do? You only have one option, right? Uh, your option, your best option is, uh, I went to his office and said, hey, uh, I'm going to set up a meeting with you and you're going to show me and, uh, and explain to me why these things are wrong because I don't know why they're wrong, so you, you have the knowledge. So you're going to explain to me, you know, why, that, why that's wrong. And he was kind of, you know, taken aback because he thought I was going to, you know, come out fighting and defend my case and, you know, whatever. And I got no, nothing to defend about. You know, if you're right, you're right. You know, whatever. So I kind of uh, made him go to the, to the uh, conference room and, well, okay, here's what I did. Tell me why that's wrong. And I'd argue with him, you know, not, not to be belligerent, but it's like, well, tell me, what, you know, well, that, that seems right about this. Why is, why is that wrong? And, and, and I had to, you know, I intentionally learned from him. Uh, and, and uh, you know, the way I see it is when we all came out of the womb, None of us knew anything. So everything you know, you've been taught somewhere, right? Yeah. Uh, and so your knowledge doesn't make you better than anybody else. But I have seen so many people who think that because they have knowledge of a thing that how, somehow makes them better than people. And, and especially when you get into the word of God and, and people get the highfalutin, you know, or I know all the tenses of the Greek verb for that particular uh, verse there, right? That's great. That's awesome. I don't even know what you just said, right? Uh, and so, you know, there's aorist tense, you know, and all these other tenses that I don't even know what they mean. Uh, and could I learn them? Well, I could. Uh, do I feel compelled to learn them? I have no, no unction to, uh, to learn them. And there may be a value, right? Uh, and so, but, but people love, in fact, I, I was studying uh, some stuff today from a commentary from the 1880s, you know, and he used a $64 word. I, what's that? I, don't, know, I don't know what that $64 i got to go look it up, right? And, and so I looked, in fact, I looked up several words when I was reading that commentary. Like, I don't even know what these words are, right? Uh, they use these words, but uh, I don't know what these words are. So I had to go look them up. Uh, and so, uh, so knowledge will puff up, you know, uh, but, um, uh, but the love of God will, can always discern. Look, uh, now, if I'm in a, in a group of a bunch of propeller head engineers, I can talk $64 words all I want to, right? You want to, in fact, I was talking to my son-in-law today. I said, yeah, you know, I had to, uh, 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 I, I was getting to some area of this class called Laplace Transforms. You know, I had to figure out what the Laplace Transforms were because just before that, we were doing L'Hopital's rule, and so I had to combine those things too right there because they were second-order homogeneous differential equations, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, we were doing all that, you know, and, and, and he's like, what, what are you talking about, right? But I just did all that just to kind of make fun, right? Because, and those are all real words, right? And those are all real things we did. Uh, but um, it didn't mean anything to any of you except for Jared, right? Uh, and, and my wife has probably heard some of those words before, right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> they're way back in the, the brain back there, right? Uh, they're probably pretty fresh for Jared because he's seen a lot of those things recently. Uh, but, but, you know, if I'm talking to... to, to Somebody who hasn't gone through all that schooling, I'm not going to talk about all those things, right? I'm not going to, uh, because why am I going to impress somebody, right? Does that, does it, it, sounds, it sounds impressive, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. But, you know, if, I, if you go to the Ph.D. Uh, calculus teacher at the university, he's like, that's, that's easy, right? What are you talking about, right? To him, that's easy. So, so just be careful about those things, right? Uh, uh, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't dumb yourself down. Learn all that you can, right? But always just, uh, walk in the love of God in that. And so uh, back to Philippians uh, chapter 1 there. Uh, he said, 
um, in verse 10, uh, that you may approve things that are excellent, uh, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and we don't have a lot of time to go in, into all of this verse there, but uh, th- this is a, a good verse too. Uh, he said that you may approve or test uh, all things, right? Uh, that are excellent and superior. So uh, walking in the love of God, superabounding love of God, you have the ability to look at things, look at circumstances and find out, you know, are these things are, are excellent? Are these things superior, right? That you may approve or test things that are, that are superior. So yeah, the love of God gives you the ability to see this thing that I'm, t- that I'm this conversation or this person or the circumstance. This is an excellent thing. I can look at it and I can ask some questions and by, and by doing that, I'm testing it uh, and I can find out what's what's going on in this situation. Uh, and, you, and you should always be careful to make sure that uh, whatever situation you're in, that you that you are doing those things, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the to the day of Christ. Uh, and so what he uh, what the, his prayer is continuing here, you know, he's talking about your life on this earth, that on, the, on this life on this earth, you're always going to have circumstances, situations, dealings that you've got to decide what to do. Uh, and he said, it's the love of God by you superabounding in excess in the love of God. You're going to have the ability to say, you know, this thing right here, this is a good thing for me. I can test that and I can, I can prove that this is an excellent, superior thing for me. This thing over here, this situation, this person, whatever, not going to be good for me, right? I, I, and, and it's not that I'm judging it, it's just I'm, I'm looking at the situation in the love of God and saying, is this an excellent thing? Is this something that's going to be a value to me? Because he's talking about that, that we can walk in this life here uh, and as we do these things, approving things that are excellent and testing things that are superior, that we may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. So what happens if we're not walking in the love of God then, then we are taking offense into our own lives. So when he's talking about that, uh, that uh, you may uh, be without offense, he's talking about your life, right? That, you, that you've not accepted an offense in your life. And that could be not just somebody hurting your feelings, but doing an offense to the Lord, right? That you've done something out of the will of God. Uh, and he, Paul is saying, look, you need to walk in love so that you can, that you can walk uh, sincere and without offense all the days of your life. Now, you can only really do that in the love of God. You can only really do that by whatever the cost, Lord, I will do what's right. No matter how much it costs me, no matter how much it pains me to allow somebody to win, if that's what it takes, then, then that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and it's been my observation that, uh, that if I live that way, uh, and I know other people that do live that way, that they are always okay. In the long run, they're always okay. We think that we've got to lie, cheat, or steal in this moment so that we don't get behind. But as soon as we lie, cheat, or steal to, to not get behind, we're already behind with the Lord, right? So, he, so he's saying that, the, that the, the walking in love of God has, gives us the ability to test all things to see which ones are superior uh, so that we can be sincere, right? Uh, and um, uh, that word sincere, this particular word sincere, means uh, that we can be judged by sunlight, tested as being genuine and pure. Uh, and so, uh, again, this is really the fruit of what he prayed at the beginning of his prayer, right? That, that you would uh, superabound in, in all love, right? Uh, in excess. Uh, and by doing that, 
then then see the light of day, the sunlight, uh, when it's shined on your life. Uh, you don't run like a cockroach, right? You flip the light on as cockroaches and they go running, right? Uh, you know, one, one house we were working on, we pulled this, all this uh, uh, siding off. It, they had put siding up inside the house, right? Which is really odd, right? Why would you do that? Well, when you pull it off, you knew why, why, did, why did it, right? They pull it off. And there was like thousands of roaches. I mean, just roaches like falling off the, on the ceiling, right? I mean, just so many roaches, right? We got a picture and it, and it looks like, it looks like somebody took a shotgun and, and shot a wall, but it, was, it wasn't a shotgun pellet. It was roaches, right? I mean, just th- my son-in-law had to leave the building. I mean, he couldn't handle to leave the, the whole. I mean, he, just, he didn't just step away. He had to go outside. I got to leave the whole building, right? Uh, and, and, but you know what all they did? They all ran for the darkness, right? As soon as we exposed them to light, they all ran for the darkness. Uh, and uh, see, that that's means that you're insincere, right? That, you're, that, you, that you can't handle the sunlight, uh, and, you know, how much of our lifestyle, when we do things, could we handle the light of God shining upon it, right? Uh, when the Lord says, you know, uh, tell me about your situation, right? You remember Ananias and Sapphira uh, there in, in, in Acts chapter 5. And they lied, right? They lied about the land. Hey, we sold the land. We don't know the numbers, but whatever the numbers were, they sold, you know, for example, they said, well, we, uh, we sold it for 100, here's 100. And what they'd really done, they sold it for 200 and gave 100. But they said, here's, we sold it for 100, here's the whole 100. Well, now, they never said they had to sell it and give it all away, right? And there's nothing, there's no, no law, there's no legalism that said they had to do that. Uh, they, they could have said, we sold it for 100, here's five, right? I mean, you know, the Lord never said what he had to do. But they lied because they wanted the recognition. Hey, we're doing, we're, we're like everybody else, we're giving everything away. And so Peter said, you know, why are you lying? Uh, and... And when he said that, the man fell dead. Well, a couple of hours later, the wife comes in. And so now he's going to give her, he's going to give her a shame. He's going to shine the light on her life. Hey, did you, did you uh, do this deal? Oh, yeah, yeah. And see, in that moment, see, she could have let the light expose her. Go, you know, Peter, I, I, we just lied. We wanted the recognition. We wanted to be seen as being spiritual. Uh, and, and, you know, I need to repent. See, the, the, even though you're wrong, you can still have the light shine on you, not run. But she, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I did. Uh, and just as she, as she said that, the guys who just buried her husband just walked in. He goes, well, see those guys right there? Uh, you're next. And she fell dead, right? Uh, now, she died because she got in conflict with the Spirit of God, right? You can't have flesh and sin in conflict with this power of God. It doesn't work, right? And those, something will give, and it will always be the flesh that gives in that situation, right? So Paul is saying the result of walking in love, the result of having being super bound in love is that you have the ability to prove and to test all things to see if they're superior in your life so that you can live a life that can be uh, have light shine upon it. And you're good uh, and without offense. See, if you've been lying and cheating and stealing or whatever, when as soon as the light comes on, you're you, you know, you, you, you have to block out the light. You have to run like a cockroach. Uh, and now you have offense, right? You've, you've got offense between you and the Lord. And so it's not talking about you offending other people. It's about you doing things that are offensive to the spirit of God, to the spirit of grace, right? To the spirit of righteousness. In fact, he talks about that later on. Um, but all of that stems from the love of God. All of that stems from superabounding in the love of God that you have the ability to discern. You have the ability to test things to see if they're of excellent value, right? See, there, there's certain things... Um, you know, there the, are the certain people I know, for example, 
uh, you know, that uh, I, I know that they, they know a lot about certain business things, but I could never be involved with them. Well, what if they're a Christian? It doesn't really matter. They're not excellent, right? Uh, and, and I just know I, I, could never, I could never be involved with that person, right? Yeah, but what if there's a lot of money to be made? I, I, can't, I can't do it because, uh, see, I, I, according to the Word of God, if I test it, it would not be superior to my life, right? And so if, if it's not going to be superior to my life, then it would cause me to not be able to have the sunlight uh, shined upon my life because the Lord would be like, why are you, why are you doing that? Why, why are you getting involved with that? Yeah, Lord, there's money. Yeah, but it's dirty. You know, it's, it's, it's not clean money, right? You can't be involved with that. Yeah, but Lord, there's money. Money, 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 right? Was money the primary goal of anything? Never the primary goal of anything. It shouldn't be anyway. So, uh, but again, all that stems from the love of God. So the love of God, see, I know the love of God. He said that you would abound in the love of God, right? Uh, in knowledge, so I know the love of God. I know that because I, uh, I know that God loves me, I'm always going to be okay if I judge things in the sense of being able to look at things and test it to see if it's going to be superior for my life. And if it's not, then I can walk away from it because I know the love of God will take care of me. I'm not missing out. Well, you can miss out on that deal. I'm not missing out on anything. I'm always in the love of God. I'm going to stay in the love of God. I'm ne- I never miss out on anything. Uh, see, that's what drives the flesh. We're going to miss out. Not if you know the love of God. If you know the love of God, know that God loves you, you'll never miss out. You'll always be okay. You'll always be fine. What if they, what if they get a bunch of money from that? Doesn't matter. That I, I can't be involved in that kind of money, right? Uh, I'm going to be okay. But, you, you know, until you get to where the love of God is that important to you, then, you know, you may cut corners. You may look at a circumstance and go, yeah, I mean, I can make a lot of money with that fellow over there. Um, and, and even if it's dirty money, I'll tithe on it, right? <laughs> and so, uh, does tithing make it clean? Doesn't make it clean just because you tithe on it, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, but we want to, we want because he's he's saying this will get you all the way to the end of your days, right? Because he's saying that if you do this, if you superabound in love uh, with all this knowledge here and, and discernment. And the discernment will give you the ability to look at a circumstance and, and say, you know, this is going to be excellent for my life. Uh, or it'll give you the discernment and say, this is not going to be excellent for my life. I'm, therefore, I'm going to walk away. See, if I do that, see, then I'll be good all the days of my life. Uh, I mean, I'll good all. He said until the, the day of Christ, right? Until he either returns, which, of course, they were thinking he's going to return sometime in their natural life. Uh, or I meet him. So that's a good way to live, right? Because he's talking about your whole life. And it said it all starts with the love of God. And I pray that you superbound the love of God. And here's the things that the love of God is going to add to you and be valuable to you for to do these things so that you have the ability to, to see what things are going to be superior and excellent for your life. Uh, and so that when the light of God is shined upon your life, right? Not on the guys next, sitting next to you on your life, right? So, so uh, when the, the light of God is saying, comes and shine on your life, is there any shadows, right? Uh, if there's no shadows, then you're good. But if there are shadows, well, then that's an offense. Uh, and then you've got you've to deal with that. Now, can you recover from those things? You can always recover. Amen. Uh, and we should recover from those things. And, and so I'm going to finish up there. And I, I did want to talk about uh, sincerity a little bit next week. I think, I think it'll be helpful. That's something that has been a blessing to my life. The Lord has, has taught me over the years. And so we'll look at that a little bit next year. But, or next, uh, well, next week, right? Two weeks from now is next year. 
right? But next week is still this year. Uh, and so, uh, but I do want to encourage you in those verses there, you know, if Paul prayed that, then we can, then we can live that way, right? Uh, and you can decide if you want to live that way or not, you know. Uh, and and uh, it's really just a decision. Lord, I'm going to live that way. It's just really as simple as do you want fries with that, right? It's not hard to do. Uh, but if you, if you get the knowledge of the love of God, you'll always know you're going to be okay. And, and if you know that, then it's easy for you to walk away, right? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings and the goodness of God. We thank you, Father, that we can superabound in excess in the love of God. And, and, Father, if we choose to do that, then we will have the discernment, the understanding in every circumstance, Father, whether or not that circumstance is going to be to our advantage, whether it's going to be excellent for our lives. And, Father, if it's not, then we uh, will be empowered by the same love of God to walk away. Uh, regardless of the cost, Father, whatever, God, whatever cost uh, may appear in the natural world, we know that we'll always be okay because it will, it will cause our lives to be sincere and without offense, that we can walk in front of you uh, with the light shining upon our lives w- without any uh, concern that you're going to expose some darkness in our life. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul packed a lot of information in these uh, couple little verses here. Uh, but uh, this, uh, I think some good things here that uh, is valuable to us. Amen. Uh, and it's a good prayer. Amen. Lord, Lord uh, I'd say do the same prayer, right? Uh, that, uh, uh, like I said in verse 9, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. So if, if Paul prayed that, then Lord, I pray that, that uh, my love will abound more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And um, uh, so don't forget, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we won't have church Sunday. So probably we'll have to schedule a Saturday to, to um, undecorate the church, right? So we'll, we'll figure out a date for that and let you guys know. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and um, uh, we'll be back on um, uh, next Wednesday, right? So, and then the beginning of 2022, right? So I wonder how many variants they'll find out from COVID next year, right? So um, but it uh, should be interesting, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if there's a hundred of them, right? It's not going to come nigh our dwelling, right? Uh, and so, all right, praise God. We'll be blessed. Uh, have a good week in the Lord. We'll see you next Wednesday, right?